You're listening to the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT podcast. I'm your host and curator, Rabbi Aprom Kipolevich, and I hope you enjoy this episode. If it's Meitzay Shabbos Kodesh, this must be Rizfo Delaysa. I'm here with Rav Yisif Gavriel Bechofer, just off his 7,000 steps or so, as we step into waters, I guess, that uh, perhaps we have no right to swim in. Um, what gives us our right, Rav Yisif Gavriel Gedolim. It becomes you. Very nice. <laughs> yes. Well, look, I think that, you know, this is your baby. This was your idea. Um, and uh, I guess we're going to start. Well, everything you say, which you mess up tonight, it's my fault. Got it. Okay. Look, you, if you knew how hard I had to work on, on, on making you seem even passable in our, in our editing process. Okay. I'm, I'm going to take that at any rate. But here we go. All right. There has been a, a voluminous amount of material that has been issuing from uh, the Ezvain of Rishlein Mavalbe Mechtavim. Of course, he was the Mashkiach in Beryakov, and afterwards, uh, a Rosh Hashiva in his own right. And he was extremely prolific in terms of his writing and writing to people he was writing from, the, from a very young age. And they have collected his letters in various places. Uh, Rabbi Yosef Gavriel sends me this letter uh, as something perhaps worthwhile to discuss. Um, I'm not sure who the letter is to, but at the end of the letter, um, he seems to uh, really unleash uh, a salvo against the Mizrahi or the uh, Hevra, the, the, the Rav Kukniks. He says that their problem is, is they are mistager b'dawad that they are completely within their own world. They don't even want to register soil. He said he saw something was a Davar Neira in the Sefer of the Nazir, in quotation marks, of Asholem. I think right away, Rabbi Yosef, you disagree, I know, but I think right away that's not exactly the way I would have written it. Um, I definitely would have put Zacharim Levrocha. I just want to put all of Asholem, but maybe that was Revolvers. Well, people China that uh, he should say at least Rav Nozir. Rav Nozir, yes. Or at least, um, you know, and not put the quotation marks there, you know, or at least Zacharim Levrocha or Zechadre. But what did the Nozir write? The Nozir write, wrote in one of his forums that when he said, and of course, part of what the Nozir's output, his literary output was, I'll talk about who he was soon, but was part of it was his diaries and things about his own Avleda. Um it, It's interesting because most of what the Nozer wrote was not his own personal quest and was not about what he thought. It was more about his sense of the uh, of how Kabbalah could jive with philosophy and, of course, his editing of, of, of the Svarim of Rav Kook. Whether he did a great job on that or not is, is another question, but he definitely was the one who had the him and readied them, and he was the one very much responsible, even more than Ritzvi Yehuda in many ways. So according, so wherever this is from, this is probably from some diary uh, where he writes that whenever he says Al Yisrov Rabbonon, or when he hears Al Yisrov Rabbonon in a Kaddish to Rabbonon, he thinks about who is the Rabbonon, the Talmidim of Rav Kook, the Talmideyem, is the ones that they have already established from Merkaz Arab and other places that the Tamim Rav Kook established them. 
the Talmidei Talmideim are the ones who are the young students who are now still learning in the Bnei Akiva Yeshivas. And what he writes then is, I've never seen by someone who's a Godel this type of small-mindedness. How can he think that that's all? That's Klau Yisro? He doesn't realize what's going on, the great power of Torah, the great uh, preponderance of Torah and vitality everywhere. If you have this attitude, if you have this way of looking at things, they can't even, they can't register a Godel who's not from the Rav Kook line. Um, it's only someone who's broad-minded to realize that there are Godelim from different stripes from their own. Someone who does that can actually recognize true Torah, but if it's only in your own little world, then obviously you don't recognize true Torah. I don't know, again, anything more of the context. You sent it to me. Um, we'll start with you, since technically I interview you, but go ahead. Yes, what's your feeling about this? Well, I want to put it in what I believe is the context before I respond to it, which is so when we were young, we were young Shiva boys, there were yeshivas, uh, primarily among the primary ones were Kvar Hasidim and Azata, um, and Yeshiva Sonegev, which were called Misrafot, which took kids who came from a Yeshiva, Neakiva background, usually Nesiv Meir, Mujashiach Noam, the same like, place like that, and made, uh, worked on them until they became Haredi Min Haminyan Lukhodobar. And they were coming with Kipot Shagot, and by the end of and Barry Yaakov, to a lesser extent, I think, but this was also one of those misrafos. And I think that this is the type of argumentation which was used on the, the people who came in having some sense of loyalty or uh, affinity to uh, Merkaz Arab and other yeshivas to try and show them that the real Gedola Yisrael, so to speak, are not in the uh, uh, in the in the uh, Kav of Merkazaran. So uh, that argumentation is trying to convince somebody who has some still connection to the uh, to Mizrahi or to, to Maftal to come over to the other side. So uh, I, I would take the argumentation with a grain of salt because it's being done in a polemical way. But uh, and yet, uh, yet, but what's problematic with this is that Raboba doesn't think that in part of which they don't do the same thing. And in um, Gare, they don't do the same thing. I, I just saw a video on, about Gare on Thursday, which is a Gare Zeda who's crying his heart out, crying his heart out about how his grandson has gone off the derech and his whole life is ruined because he went from the regular Gare to the new Gare of Cholal. So is this a symptom was, is the province of America a lot? I, I don't I, even if it is simple. When you do go into the Haredi Welt, which, and again, Revolva wasn't your typical Haredi. He wasn't your typical person who's just politicking for the Haredi world. Let's say that. But he was quite aware that the Haredi world that he was a leader of, and he was considered one of the most enlightened, brilliant spokesmen for, 
In other words, unlike people that were just chayv shei, and weren't able to write a, uh, a poetic Hebrew, they didn't really know much about science and scholarship and, and the world. People saw Rav Volbo as really that, that, that Luftmensch, that Weltmensch, that person who knew stuff. So he knew that the world, that, that especially after he left Beriakov, he knew that that world was guilty of exactly the same thing. I mean, it was, it was it, it almost, and I'm sort of echoing what you're saying, but it's almost laughable because he, you know, he should turn to them and say, why weren't, why aren't they only guys, the Gedalim that are in their little mark, which is, I'm, I'm pretty much repeating what you're saying, but it's, it's even life says, what is he thinking about when he's being Mitzayer, his Kaddish, right? Or when he's hearing Kaddish, we all, we talked about the Koch Adimian uh, a number of weeks ago. We talked about what happens when a person davens. That a person's davening is not just the words, but it's also some image that's coming up in his head. Now, for a person to write in a private diary that the image that that the Rebbe that meant the most to him was Rav Kook, and that was what happened to the Nazar. The Nazar, of course, uh, went through a number of Gilgulim uh, when he was in Switzerland, and he met Rav Kook there, who was there. I, 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 the point is, is that when the Nazir, uh, who you know was born in 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 in, in, in Spitzlitter, uh, he was a young person. He was around Raden. He was around the the Litvish yeshivas. And then, as he made his way, sort of like is almost rejecting a little bit the the symptom, I guess, that he was feeling in the yeshivas and wanting to get an education. He wanted to uh, go and, and and expand his mind and learn about things. He ended up, of course, knowing nine languages, and he was was very proficient in, in all sorts of philosophy and German and and, 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 and all the great thinkers. But and, and he was a leader. Uh, in the college because of his brilliance. Uh, he uh, had, of course, never disconnected from Shmir Samitzvis, but he was obviously playing with the idea that maybe uh, secular philosophy had more answers than the Torah did, or at least was a path for him to develop. And then, of course, he, he, he met Rav Kook in Switzerland. And somehow Rav Kook was able to put his life together and he was able to, to perhaps answer things for him in a way that nobody else was able to do. And they, just these kindred spirits found each other. And by the way, he'd already decided when he met Rav Kook that he was going to be a Nazir. In other words, even when he was this, the head of this uh, you know, very much philosophical uh, Jewish, uh, Jewish union of students in Basel, he had already been macabre on himself, Nazirus, that he was going to be a Nazir Oilam. So he was already quite a different type of person. But Rav Kook was able to give him some mystical keys that allowed him to uh, synthesize and align the secular philosophy that he had seen to know what parts to reject. He was able to see, and that's what he said, the Kohanavua, which was, of course, the great work that he wrote. He was able to find that prophetic voice within Kabbalistic uh, principles, and he became uh, uh, one of the great scholars of mystical thought. And Rav Kook saw in him, although, you know, again, he wasn't, Rav Kook was obviously much more steeped in lumbus and learning than he was, Rav Kook felt that this was someone he could partner with. And when he came to Eretz Yisrael, he gave him uh, quite a maimed as a mashkiach and a teacher, and he taught Tanakh and other things. It's almost really incredible uh, how um, in, as, as a young person, 
how he was sort of, I guess we would call today a, a autodidact, somebody who was, who was very, who was, who was proficient in many, many different areas. That's who, that's who the Nozer was. Um, as we say, he was also the person who wrote, who edited Savimir of Cook. Now, many people will say, I don't understand Rav Kook's Slavim at all. I mean, I can't understand it. I don't get what one piece of Iris has to do with the next one, the Iris HaKadosh particularly, and that was what the Nazar worked on, the Iris HaKadosh. Uh, those people like Rav Tzal Naor and others will tell you that there is a tremendous method there, and it's Dafka, really, if you learn each piece one after the other, that you really have the Sulam to get true Kabbalistic understanding. Um, my point here is, is that Rav Kook, as we've spoken about often, uh, represented for his Talmidim the ultimate synthesis and the ultimate of Lumdis and Hashkafa and Kabbalah. And many people saw him as the giant Godel Goinador. So, so if you're talking about the uh, Rav Kook as the Spitzrov, the Talmidim like Rav Shimon Sterelitz, Rav, Ari, Rav, Rav Yitzchok Arieli, uh, the Talmidim that were there in Merkaz Arav, uh, the ones that were great, that's a pretty wonderful dais <laughs> to have in your in your mind. So, it, it, it's and if that's the world that you are steeped in, that's the world that you're involved in, as you say, um, that's probably the dogma that you have. Were they different than, let's say, uh, the Tepklifer, Rav Tzvi Pesach Frank, were they different than, than the Rabbonim and the Tamid HaChachamim uh, of their contemporaries, the Briskerov, perhaps, even the Chazanish? Did they, was there something different about them that made that? I think the I think in Merkazarab, they have more covered for Rabbonim outside their circle than the people outside their circle who have from, from Rav Kook in Merkazarab. And I, I think that this is a hallmark of, uh, you know, the, um, uh, the uh, America's Arab type yeshiva, which is a serious yeshiva, which take, which is into very much into conventional and uh, classic learning. That they take they take into account everybody. I have on my shelf a book written by an alumnus of America's Arab, maybe still there, called Kovetz Yisodos Vachakilos, and it's a massive book. A, 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 all about the different lumbus and different kudos and different uh, basic things. It's like thousands of pages, and he takes everybody. He's not okay. It's interesting because he also takes Rav Kook and Rav Amiel and others who don't. So I've never taken into account. So I, I think that the opposite is true. That if anything, this Rachvus Sadat happens by Merkaz Arab, not by uh, the. Uh, Person learning uh, in front of it or in Hebron. Uh, Hebron did. Yes, probably not. So, the, uh, I think in places like that, some people would, would uh, never ever look at uh, Ralph Cook's safe for mm-hmm. Just like in Satmar, they would never look at Ralph Cook's farm. So, um, I, I, I don't think that the, what the Nudger had in mind, which I do think is somewhat uh, um, some, I, I can understand the justification for it. But I don't think that in any event, the Nazir, what the Nazir's word should be the basis on which all of Merkaz Arab is judged. Yeah, well, well, let me put it in a different way here. And, and I want to talk about Revolbo in a minute also. Um, you know, it's, it's, it, in many times in our tefillos, we wonder why we need to say, um, 
for example, let's say in Birchas HaTayra, you say that uh, The truth is, is that when we say Anachnu, generally in Tefillah, we mean all Kual Yisrael. We daven Beloshen Rabbin. We don't mean Aleinu Valkol Yisrael, right? You don't have to say that. Right? Every time, even though obviously you're davening out of your your family, your own particular problems, we know that when you the tefillahs were nesak and beloshen rabim, and you're supposed to be kailu yourself with all klal yisrael, and yet there are two places where we don't do that. There might be a third place on, on Rosh Hashanah, but there's two places that every single day we're not kailu ourselves. One of them is in Birchas Atayra that I just said. The other place is in Birchas Sholem in Shmon Esrei. In Birchas Sholem in Shmon Esrei, as you know, what do we say? We say, right? Those two places. Now, we also, in, in the Sefer, you know, the Hisofa that we put in for Aseris and Mechuve, right? The Sefer Chaim Tevim Shalom Parnoso, Nizokhres and Vanach, Anachnu Bekoam Chabes Yisro. We mentioned Anachnu Bekoam Chabes Yisro. And Lachira, why? So I, you know, I, I thought about it a lot. I saw that Rav Steinman, Zohanu Avrocha has Ha'aris about this in the Likud that they put together of his uh, his shiurim on, on, on the Siddur. And, you know, I, I think what he says is something like this, that when there's, you know, it, it, when there's something that's so deep and personal to us, it's hard to push it beyond ourselves when there's something that we need so much when there's something that the need for it and the appreciation of it is so within our boundaries we're mechuyiv to, to be marachim and to mention others when it comes to taira, it's such a personal thing right it's us and maybe that's the people you know he says Rav Steinman, the people that you're connected to the people who you learn from your children of course but we, the, the, the Chazal understood that you shouldn't fall into that trap. And therefore, what you need to do is push it out to And the same thing is true with Sholem. Even though we can all speak about peace for all Klal Yisrael, most of the time when we have Sholem, we're thinking about our own community. So we need to also say, Now, in the Kaddish Tarabonon, which was what this whole thing, you know, centers on. So if we, again, if, if you look at that Nusach, Al Yisrov Arabon, Al Tamidei, and Vakol Tamidei Salmidei, Vakol Mandoskin Baraisa, Di Baasri Kadisha Dein, Di Bechol Sar Basar. So I'm not really sure what Revolva wants. As Rav Steinman already pointed out, we always start with ourselves. And then and that's sort of like inherent and we almost can't fight that. And then we go to Kol Manda Oskem Baraisa. And that would be the Hevroners and the, and, and, and the other Hevron and, and everybody else in, 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 in Slabotk and other yeshivas. I'm sure, right? But I, I guess what the Nazir was trying to say was, you know, you start here, you start where you live 
the people that, that, that you built in order to create that Torah world, which he did, along with the other G'dayim of Merkaz Araf, and then you extend it out further. And again, that's really by Oysir Shalom Bimroimov, which is really the same thing we say every single day. So I really don't, I, I don't see that as a Tzimtzum Neira. I see it as something that's almost inherent in the words of the Kaddish and in those two places, as I pointed out. So do Zugich. That's one thing. The second thing I want to talk a little bit about Revolvo. And I, you know, I, when, when you said this to me, I'm thinking, boy, there's a little bit of an interesting thing here because both of these men were in Germany and Switzerland. Both of these men were known to be super intellectual, right? Both of these men were known to be much more than just a person that could say a good sheer, right? They were both unique. Now, the Nazir was was a weirdo in many ways, right? For people who saw, right? He was first of all, he was right. a Nazir. First, he was a Nazir, right? Secondly, like you know, he, you know, he. he I'm not going to speak Lush. I'm only going to speak Lush. I make a nether. I'm not leaving Yerushalayim. You have to. You have to go. He's not going to leave. He needed a big convention of a Bezdin, right? He was an extreme person in many ways, and Revolbo was really, in a way, listen, you know, he was a person who was a, a Deitsche, Mamish a Deitsche, and, and, and as he was in University of Berlin, he was Mamish, came from completely a secular uh, background, completely. Like, his parents were Mamish, like, you know, j- proud Jews, I guess, in some way, I don't know, but but somehow he became under the hashba of the J- Jewish College Union, just like the, the Nazar was part of his, right? It could be the Nazar 20 years later, could have been Makarov him. You never know, right? He might have been that type of person. The Makarov, smart people like like, like, like Wilhelm Volbo, right? So Volbo comes in and Volbo, Volbo becomes Makarov and then he becomes part of Yerkever, you know, the, the Terem Derek Eretz people. And from there he goes through his, he goes through a, a, a you know, sort of uh, an evolving and where he gets connected to his great cook figure. And who is that, right? That's Arbani um, Yerucham, right? So Arbani Yerucham is his cook, right? And all of a sudden, you know, he, his life is now, you know, in, in, in a completely different perspective. Um, so I thought this was very interesting because, you know, the, the, the sort of the intellectual outsider leader of the group that they were uh, involved in. Um, and I, I, I want to say something else here. Um, you know, I wasn't in Beryakov, and maybe I was—I should have gone, right? Maybe I should have gone. You know, instead of just being like a like a player in the mirror, just hanging out and sleeping on the floor, like as you've heard me talk about, Beryakov at least had a tremendous dynamism. I mean, when you think about Rav Moshe Shmuel Shapiro as the Rosh Hashiva, and you think about Rav Volbo as the Mashkiach, I mean, that is really a, a, quite a powerful one-two punch. I don't see that. I don't see Bechalal, the Kesh. I mean, isn't that like really wild in a way? Those two, right? Like Rav Meshach Shmuel Shapiro yeah. is, is yeah. Rav Meshach Shapiro is like, is like the most unintelligible, you know, Lamden in a way. Like, like, like the words, like you have to like, what the heck does he mean? Like, what is he even trying to say? And he's, he's like the brisker to the, to the extreme up to the point that it might be the most intense version of brisk Shaykh. Is 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 Rav Moshe Shmuel Shapiro, and then you have Revolbo, who is sort of like this garrulous 
Balmusser, who's actually inserting all John Dewey's theories and other ideas of Chinuch, and he's and, he, and, he's, and he's, he's sort of like reading everything, and he's he's commenting on uh, on the Zeitgeist and the difference between being right. What is what, what, what is this thing? Ben Sheish Lassar, Ben Sheish Lassar, was it? Was it called Ben Sheish Yaman from the Six Day War to the uh, to the Yom Kippur and what was happening and how uh, how the world was changing and how the Zionists and etc. like a whole political hashkafa type of uh, hezber. <laughs> Could you imagine Moshe Shapiro even reading the book? Can you imagine him even? He would use it as a doorstop. I mean, Rabbi Shmuel Shapiro was like, and here was that's what his Mashkiach was doing, right? And he were, wow, like I don't know who put these two together, but that was the. I'll tell you who put them together. The Yeshiva was founded by, the only for one year was it connected to it, but the Yeshiva was founded by the Ezra Youth Movement. Uh-huh. As, their, as, their yeshiva, as their Yeshiva, kind of their answer to Kfar OS. Uh, it's quick, very quickly passed away from the Ezra Movement, but obviously, whoever in the Ezra organized Yeshiva, I don't. I don't remember who it was, probably some Yaka, who uh, put this said, okay, I'm going to get the best of Shiva, the best Mashkiach, not because they had any affinity, either, but that's, that's who you hired. Yeah, I'm saying it's, it's it's very strange. And listen, even, look, the mirror was the wide open, you know, the, the wide open spaces, but, you know, especially once Rav Chaim took over as the Mashkiach, I mean, there was, you, you didn't really have two different mentalities at all. Like everything was basically the same. It was Rechaim, Rav Dolchem, uh, you know, and, and the type of, you know, the sense that you were, you were part of a, a of a brilliant Litvish legacy at the mirror. And, you know, it was, it was, it was showing up in so many different ways. I mean, look, look what Rechaim did for being a Mashkiach was sort of, I mean, he rewrote the book. I mean, he didn't want to do it. I don't. I wasn't really a Mashkiach. What's the Rebbe Chazab? Chazab, right. When Chazab died, so Chaim said, okay, no, as if you don't think... Like, you... Him, officially, he didn't go to Rabbi Finkel immediately. No, it's not the Mashkiach. Maybe later. Look, in many ways, Rav Nelson Svi was like the Mashkiach for the Americans, at least. And Rav Aryeh, I was I was by Rav Aryeh for a couple of weeks. He was not the Mashkiach. He was Nechba Lakevim. I think that was his official position. That's why he got his own yeshiva. And, then, uh, then he became Brockman. then he became the big Balmusir and he gave Musr Shmuzim. When I was in the mirror, the, the Musr was from Rechaim. Rechaim basically took over that. And that's what, as you know, Sikhas Musr really in, in many ways um, is going to stand, I think, the test of time more than many other uh, no doubt. Classics on, on Musser. Well, you know, again, he, if you would ask Rukhayim if he was, he was well versed in Rabbi Sarasalatar and any of the other, you know, ideas of Musser or the Alter Mikelm, I'm sure he would say no. <laughs> no. I just, you know, basically he took this Talmudist, uh, complete Talmudist glasses towards Musser ideas and he said things which now have become part of the Musser canon, but, you know, it's completely, completely different. No, look, all I can tell you is, is that. You know, it seems strange. Uh, I mean, the Ali Shore, uh, you know, when I was uh, in uh, a Bokhar in Neri Yisrael in 1973, uh, my Rebbe thought that I was going to turn into this wild man that would be problematic. Is he wrong? <laughs> Is he wrong? Well, I did get kicked out three times. I got kicked out three years in a row. So I still may, I hung on by the skin of my teeth, but I was officially, I think, kicked out three, three times. 
um, from 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 high school. Uh, again, it was you're not kicked out from there. You're probably not whatever it was. So my Rebbe said, "Okay, uh, I'm going to get a, someone to learn Musr with you." So uh, Rabbi Lan Feldman, who now is of course the Rav in Atlanta, uh, I, I was going to be he was going to take me under his wings, and he said, "Okay, we're going to learn. We're going to learn three times a week." He brings out this safer Ali Shore. Right. So, all right. So, he, I, I'm not sure if we learned that of one. I, I seem to remember sitting next to him and reading the Sefer together. I don't even think there were two of them, right, at that time. This was 1973. So, the Sefer was a little bit, it was only about five years old at that time. And I remember, you know, I, I, after learning two times the Sefer, I remember someone came and said, Oh, I saw you learning with Elon Feldman. Uh, you know, you know, what do you think of the Sefer? I said, I, I said, I'm ready to re- rename it Ali Bor. <laughs> That's, that was, again, again, but look, it was not for a 13 year old. It definitely wasn't for a 13 year old. I can tell you that. Um, but, but still, you know, again, I think that the, um, you know, the, you know, if one does a critical research on Revolvo's stance on things, I think they're going to find a lot of things that are extreme in many ways. Um, I think he was, uh, as far as I know, he really held that 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 the government was was terrible. He really was anti the government completely, yeah. and he really believed that. He says, "Look, we can't really do what the Satmarov is doing because politically it's impossible." But Bashita, the Satmarov is right. That was what. Yeah, yes, I- yes. Revolvo believed that to take money from the government, that the Medina is is rotten, yeah. is rotten to the core. That was what Revolvo felt. Um, I heard him a couple of times at the Beis Musser. He came in from Beriakov, the Beis Musser in, uh, in Meisharim. There was a place called the Beis Musser where uh, I heard him, and uh, he put me to sleep. So that was the second. I mean, so I was mamish sleeping when when he was talking. He um, again, I was seventeen then, so I guess I, I still wasn't Roy at the time. Later, just in the last couple of years, I've started to look at his letters, and I actually find his letters refreshingly candid. I don't know if you've ac- actually looked at them, so I'm I don't have copies of them, but in the places where I've seen them, in the Bate Midrashim, where I found them, in places that I've gotten them offline, I actually think that his letters reveal a very candid person, and I would just take this thing as you know, is is sort of like a candid offhand remark. Let let me say it even better. You know, it's not necessarily a benefit to print every single thing that we have from these G'daylim, right? They themselves, like, maybe he thought Ali Shur was his masterpiece. Okay, so what he worked on, okay, that's me. Um, I don't know if the safer of the Nazir, he wanted this thing printed, I don't know. I don't know where it's from. Maybe some one of our listeners knows. But I'd say the same thing. And I'm going to give Revolbo the um, the benefit here. <laughs> Everything we say on Rizcha Daraisa is gold. Like every single every single point we happen to make over here, even though I decide to upload it, is somehow oh, this is you're going to live on this forever. Something that's in a private letter between two people. You say there was a polemical reason for it, even if that's what he was thinking at the time. It's unfortunate that that now is going to be all right. Look and see what type of person Revolva was. You know, I think it's a, um, I, I think it's a shtickle of machla. Look, you know, you definitely want to get whatever you can your hands on things. But I heard from one of the Adaris's relatives, and and you know, 
Akuli Alma Moida, the Daderis is Mishich Malamala from many of the Rabbonim of his time. I mean, they were pikers compared to him. I mean, the Adaris in his Anivus, in his Godless, in his Bikiyas. But I heard from one of his relatives, one of his uh, nephews, who said, they, you know, all the stuff they printed from him, they probably shouldn't have, right? Even, you know, just he, he, the man was writing on every scrap of paper he could find. <laughs> that doesn't mean that that we should put it in there. There's a certain thing of of, of keeping the, uh, the the certain dignity of that person alive. Again, this is hard to say to you because you're a Rav Tzodik person, and that's how they discovered and created the Rav Tzodik Uvra was really from all these papers that they found from from him after he was Nifter, right? They found all these the stuff that was in manuscript and everything that they were that they were publishing. Um, still. Which is, uh, you know, the, the famous thing they say about Lubavitch. I couldn't think it applied to Rav Volbeck, certainly applies to Rabbi Schwab, which is that a governor is Erevia Gerborna, right? So uh, since the, the, in a certain, po- po- a certain play- point, a person who becomes a Litvak or becomes, uh, you know, a Lubavitcher, they have to bend over backwards. I hear. To, uh, and Rav Obed is one of the people, like Rav Schwab, who forsook a turn their head background of some sort in order to become a Shtakri Fuck. And sometimes that's part of the uh, price that they pay. That they, uh, you know, have to be very careful to make sure that authenticity is not put into question. Yeah, it's definitely... I found here a paper by a fellow named Yair Halevi, a 30-page paper on Revolta. He brings down this, this thing here from the, the Eagles of Southern, this letter which we're talking about. And then he says, he brings down from elsewhere that Revolta wrote, Kukadam was a great man, very great. Sadiq Vovid Hashem Gadol, a great Sadiq Vovid Hashem. As I heard from trustworthy people who knew him. But his opinions are not uh, uh, what was the word? Uh, um, I would not translate Deus's opinions. I would say it's more of his 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 of the world and how Avodas Hashem should happen, etc. But go ahead. It says they said in parentheses, which is the old Chazanish line, right? You can't the Deus are no good, but the Halacha is okay. Almost from almost all the, uh, the there's no they don't agree with his views or everything on translate almost all I don't know why he said almost all almost all the dole of his door and the generation after it I don't think that's hundred percent true but uh, that was the line which he took so again so he, he did pay his respects that Rav Cook was uh, an incredible mind. Uh, but he felt that his Ashkafas were wrong. And of course, the Nazar was one of the, you know, it would seem, is one of the people who was primarily uh, the one who helped facilitate the bringing out the Ashkafas and the Deus of Rakuk that Revolbo felt were completely misguided and were not what they should have been. I don't think, and it's, he's probably right that the Nazar had probably little to do with uh, the, 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 the different aloha. Well, there, there's no question about it. I can tell you that uh, Rav Moshe Clears, who was one of the gedolim of of the beginning of the 20th century, and, and um, the, author, the author, yeah, the author of the Teres Haaretz, 
which is one of the great Svarim on Shmita and Bechlal and Hilchai Satulias Baritz. There is a, his nephew wrote a, a biography or really more of, you know, sort of like uh, interview notes that he took. It's called uh, you know, like Reflections of My Uncle. And <laughs> Rav Kleer has talked about Rav Kook. And of course, they were together in the great Masa with the of Chaim. And he mentions how Rav Kook could be holding. He said it was incredible. More than any person he ever saw, he could, he could, he, he could pontificate with brilliance on any sugya even though he was not holding in a bechlal, he was able to almost recount everything. Uh, it, was, it might be something he hadn't, hadn't looked at in months or years, but he was able to give a shear on the tip of a hat, you know, on the snap of a finger, and he was able to be cold and be able to speak to Lamdon and Mufalkim who were holding in the Indian very, very stark. And he felt that that was something. And by the way, in that trip that they took, uh, the Masa that they took up to the uh, the northern um, cities, he and Rabbi Yosef Chaim. If you take a look, I have the uh, the book Ela Masoi. You can take a look. It says there consistently that Rav Kook Zacharnu was the gave over the divrei halacha. Rav Kook in all these places he came and gave shiurim. Like and even Rabbi Yosef Chaim was there. Rabbi Yosef Chaim spoke more from Musar and more chizuk, and Rav Kook was the one who gave the the shiur, which was it's, it's quite incredible. One thing that Rav Clears did say, which I thought was uh, quite revealing, was that he felt that if Rav Cook would concentrate in one area only, that he would be able to produce a work that would be unmatched. It would be it would be it, 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 it would be incredible to the point that that. But he felt that Rav Cook was being taken in so many different directions that he wasn't able to invest himself and turn and create what he would feel would be this incredible magnum opus uh, that would, you know... But getting back to Avolbis, the question is, is this something which should disturb us in terms of how we look at Abba Musa? Obviously, Rav Shach, we can understand writing such a thing, right? We can understand um, Abba Musa would be uh, not come down to this level of point when discussing uh, different machanes. What do you think about that? Well, look, you know, you're, you are the one who um, uh, has bemoaned the fact that Musa didn't really, wasn't taking hold, and Musa is just an ideal that nobody, people would just pay lip service to it. True, true, I, I would, but I would say to you that Revolvo, if it was was one of the stalwarts, was one of the Echide Segula, who actually did live and continued to preach the idea of, of Musa, at least the way according to his Tfisa. He wasn't just saying, we have to have a Musa Seder and you know, people should learn. He really thought about it and, want, and really felt that Musa provided for him the answers to everything, including the problems that Israeli society was facing and, the, and what Yeshiva Bochum needed to hear. So, yeah, Revolbo, you know, again, it's a chink in the armor. Revolvo should be one of your heroes. Revolvo should be one of the people who I I I I, I love many things that he writes. Um, but a, that's my question. And I'm not saying this definitively because I can hear the other side. The other side is about Musa holds, you know that no, it's important for us to know, even though we're Bali Musa, where we draw the line. 
you know, and uh, I think uh, the good thing out of it, the good thing of what he wrote is and I'm going to take that and say that's the risk of the mindset, okay? The risk of the Raisa mindset is, is that we want to be Makir Gedeulam for wherever they are. And I think that is a, a great Raya. <laughs> I think that, and that allows us to see you know, and whether it's in, you know, whatever camp it is. And I think that's really something that whether, you know, he himself was, you know, in a way, like, like saying the opposite in some way by trying to uh, limit uh, looking at their gedolim, uh in, in such a way, this really besides the point. I think if we take that message, I think that message is really a message of of that ref, the Nazar would say is the Kol Hanavua. The Kol Hanavua is really seeing that greatness, whether you know it's Elisha or Eliyahu or it's 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 Ido, it's you know, Ido Hanavi or whoever it is, if it's Avadya Hager. Right, seeing that the gedolim can come from any place is where you can see greatness, and I think that's 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 I think uh, an incredible message. You know, the fact that you have this other stuff with it, I think I, I'm ready to dismiss this and give him, you know, a complete and total pass. And and as I said, I think we are, in some ways, it's a guilty pleasure to be able to read all this private stuff. Um, and say, oh, I can really get into the Rishul Sayochid of this person. And I want to say about the Adaris' autobiography, there's a lot of, again, it's not like juicy stuff. It's not like Rabbi Yaakov Emden is saying that he wants to hop a rhyme with his cousin, you know, and he had to, right, and he had to be miscarried. It's not, nothing like that. But many times this, you know, the, the it's, it, what I, these, what's the cousin you should say for Muna Bitoch? What a beautifully written book, right? What a beautifully, it's mamish like, it's ois ketzechent, ois ketzechent. The man writes, like, the first time I opened the book, I said, well, one second, this is a Russian sheep, this is the Chazadish writing? I'm, it's a miracle work. But I'm reading yeah. it, I'm saying, wow. You, you, right? Okay, the Igris, the Chazadish, on the other hand, are just these, like, Okay, I, I, and people actually elevate the Igris of Chazanish and the, and, and the is okay, this is the Musa of the Chazanish. To me, that was also a problem. I'm happy the Igris are there. I'm able to find some Chakavazachan in there. But that those that's more, again, on a private level of what he might have said or something. And yet, we have this, you know, I, I don't know what you call it, but you know, it's, it's happened to Chaim Kanievsky as well. You know, where every, you know, you know, every little belch or thing, the thing or, or something he might have written to this guy or that guy, all of a sudden it's becoming now the, 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 my, the worldview of Rav Chaim. And that's, of course, what they did to his uncle. I, I think what we need to argue in the Rizcha style, if I'm going to be, uh, have some Rizcha's about it, is recognize that, that there's, that the Ksavim and Igris and other things, just like Kivager understood you know, when he was sort of against these type of, you know, hagiographic, you know, works and things, that the main place to find it is going to be in, 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 in the Torah, of course, and in, in a safer, in a safer, like Ali Shor or something, or Imunu uh, that were written for that purpose. But something that happens to slip through the cracks, I, I think when we attach too much importance to it, I, I think we're, we, we lose our whole uh, basis of knowing how to learn. Look, knowing how to learn is knowing 
what versus amokar versus nishtamokar. There's a difference between a person giving edus and a person stam sichas chuvin. A person gives edus, he's bringing up his neshama and after hex the dark. When a person stam is talking, who knows? Yeah, it's 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 unfortunate. We live in a tkufa where people don't have that type of havchan anymore. Oh, is that a discaret? Okay, does does gateman train? And of course, that's you know, again, it has its parallel, of course, in many many places, especially among your woke friends. All right, my lads. <laughs> so let us on that note, we'll catch you again next week as we sort of uh, careen into Hanukkah. Catch you next week, my friends. Be well. Bye-bye. Thanks for joining us for another episode from the Yeshiva of Newark at IDT Podcast. Be sure to subscribe on your favorite podcast app so you don't miss a single episode.